0: What does it mean to go to manual? Everyone, two. The Greenwood Campus here at Emmanuel, and if you're a guest with us here today, uh, we're a little rowdy, as you can probably tell. So it's exciting to be here, and I want to welcome you personally, myself, and uh, basically, if you're you're a guest with us here tonight, we are in a series right now called Relentless Pursuit. This is the second part of a four-part series, and I'm so excited about this series because really what we're talking about is kind of a picture of where we believe God wants to take us or what He wants to do through us in the next two years of our church and uh, the impact that he wants to make, and along the way, we're going to kind of discover a little bit about who we are as a church, and what drives us, and what pushes us, what gets our blood pumping, and so if you're new to this church, if you're a guest with us here today, this is actually a perfect weekend for you to be here, to kind of get a feel for what you're getting yourself into, and who are we, and do you resonate with this church, and do you want to kind of join the journey and, and, and come along with us, so we welcome you if you're here. Now, if, if you are right re- here, uh, if you Uh, attend regularly this is a great service for you a great series for you because this is a picture of all of the things that resonate with you that you have come to love about this church the vision that we have the the focus that we have uh, the relentless pursuit that we have for people and so uh, I feel like if you're a regular attender this is this is one of those opportunities for you to get fired up and excited once again about your church anybody excited yeah awesome awesome Still a few of you not there yet, that's okay. We can come along, you I think, you'll come along in this series. So, it, basically, uh, a couple of years ago, a guy came down, a gentleman came down front here, and he said, Hey, what's going on around here? Like, this, this church is different, there's a whole bunch of people coming here, and and and, and what's the is this like an electricity in the air? And and I quite honestly, I don't remember what I said to the gentleman, uh, but that question has stuck with me for years now like, what is going on here? Like, why have so many people put their faith in Christ? As you as you heard just a few moments ago, uh, over a thousand people, almost 1,400 people have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's just, that's just, that's not normal. Like, what what's happening? We've got these three partnerships uh, overseas in Nicaragua and Haiti and Colombia that, that over a thousand people have accepted Christ in the last two years in other countries that, that we partner with. Like, there are incredible things going on here, and what is the answer to all of that? And so I've been thinking, about that, thinking about that. And I think that I know the answer at least in part, not entirely, but at least in part. And I think it's this is the first thing in your notes there, shared this last week with you that we've simply tried to the best of our ability to align our hearts and will with the heart and will of God. Like that's my job as the under shepherd, the chief shepherd is Christ and I'm following him and I'm trying to lead you and say, hey, what should we be trying to do with our time, with our resources, with the money that God has allowed us to steward? Like what should we attempt to do? Should we try to change politics? Should we try to get some, some Christian leaders elected? Like, there's a lot of things that churches could put their efforts and energies toward. But what, what is it, God, that you want to put our, you know, where, where should we put our effort, our energy, and our focus, okay? Like, our budget is now over $4 million a year. Like, God, where would you like us to funnel those funds? Like, how would you like us to use those funds and our time and our resources? And so my job is just to ask that question and then try to listen. And hear what God is trying to say. Now, we don't always get that perfectly. I'm willing to admit we're, we're sinful, broken people, and oftentimes we get it wrong. But man, I think over the last couple of years, we've, we've at least had some success in aligning our heart and our will with the heart and will of God. And I believe that's why incredible things are taking place. Last week, we talked a little bit about what that means. We said that God sees people like you. And people like your family and your friends and your co-workers and neighbors and, and all the people in the world, he sees them as insanely valuable. And, and the way I said it is this, that you've never laid eyes on a person for whom Christ has not died. And had to kind of look at the person to your left, and look at the person to your right, and kind of look at them, and, and even maybe look in the mirror when you get home. And what, what you see there is a person who is insanely valuable, a person for whom Christ has died, and that he is on the, a relentless pursuit. And it, all you have to do is read Luke 15 to kind of see the focus that Jesus had on pursuing people who were relationally disconnected from him, and you see God's heart. And so as a church all we've tried to do is just say man let's have that same heart and that same mind for people who don't know jesus christ and so if you walked in here and you looked at the walls or down on the stage here you see all these names it's not graffiti (laughs) it's it's people's names of people who are far from jesus that don't quite know him yet and so we're praying for them, and every week we share the gospel, and every week we challenge you to bring your friends, and every week we, we say, hey, invest in the people in your life who don't know Christ, and so we're on this relentless pursuit. Why? Because God is. Because God is. We've tried to align our hearts with the heart and will of God So today what I want to do is kind of continue that conversation and maybe talk about another area where we've tried to, to get this alignment right. Last week, I talked about four key areas of focus that we want to look at over the, next two, over the next two years. And I just want to go through those again really quick. If you weren't here, this will be a snapshot of where we're kind of headed for the next two years. It's nothing groundbreaking, it's nothing new, it's nothing abnormal. It's just more of what God has been doing through our church. The first area is for us to continue to focus on being a church of groups. That that means that what in order the expectations, pardon me, the expectation is that when you come to this church, that you are part of a a group. And here's why we're kind of a little psychotic about that. And we're over the top with that, because we believe that circles are better than rows. We believe that it's in the context of of intentional relationships where you can really become or, or see that spiritual growth and become like Christ, where there's care, where there's concern, where there's accountability. It's see if you're just in a row, if all you do is sit in a row year after year after year, you're gonna hear sermons. And sermons, I think, they're pretty good around here. What do you think? They're decent? They're decent? they're not the best but they're decent like I try really hard and Steve does a really good job but 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 sermons are not going to cut it here's what here's how I know that because I have heard so many sermons by incredible preachers like the best preachers in the nation and I have heard what they have said and I have agreed with it in my heart and I've walked out and done what nothing (laughs) just like you do (laughs) when you hear something you're like I should do that I ain't doing it because all you're doing is sitting in a row. Like, you're not taking a journey with some other people saying, hey, we got to do what the sermon said. Like, we have to, like, like, actually forgive those who've hurt us. Like, come on, right? So, it's, it's circles are better than rows. It helps you apply what you've heard on the weekend. So, we're going to focus on that. Second thing we're going to do is raise the vow. I'm sorry. That's number three. We're going we're gonna to increase our, our practical needs, efforts. We're just going to pump more, recess, more resources, more hands, more feet, more money into meeting practical needs. Listen, here's the deal. When you read the New Testament, and you've seen this if you've read it, Jesus is not only preaching about the kingdom of God, he's not only asking people to turn from their sins and enter into a relationship with him, he also is healing people. Like people who had leprosy and people who were blind and people who couldn't walk. Like he was concerned about people's physical life. It wasn't just about their spiritual life. Of course, it's primarily about their spiritual life. But he, he cared for people who were hungry, who had diseases, who were broken physically. He touched them and he healed them. So we've just tried to say, okay, God, we get it. We see it. Let's try to do our very best. And, and meet practical needs both here in the community and overseas. And so we're going to continue to focus on that, increase our, increase our impact there. Number three, we said we're going to raise the value of service. That, that Meaning that if we're going to make a huge impact as a church in the next two years, we need more people like you to step up and go from being a participant or, or a spectator in the stands to a participant and start playing on the field. Now, I know a lot of you serve in the community, and that counts. That counts. I know a lot of you are busy, so if you're already doing things in the community, serving the great job. I just met a guy before the service. He's serving at the refuge on Thursday nights. He's feeding the poor. Like, that counts. But also, we need more hands inside the local church, more feet inside the local church if we're going to have a larger impact. So we just set a goal to go from 500 to 1,000 people who are serving right here at Emmanuel. And so uh, we're going to push on that as, as a focus. And then number four, we said we're going to reach more people with the gospel. We're just going to simply reach more people for the gospel because what we see in the New Testament is that's why Jesus came. Like that's the whole po- that's the whole point of his coming into the world. That he became a he became a man to die on a cross so that people could be reconciled back to Heavenly Father. So we're just going to push on that. We're going to do that globally, overseas, and we're going to do that locally here by launching a third campus. And so some of you weren't here last week, so real quick, I'll just tell you about the third campus idea. It's, it, it, we did a demographic study that basically showed us there's more than 900 people driving from the Franklin area or south of Franklin, and so that's that's kind of an indication that, man, that's where we need to go and launch our third site. Here's why. So not only do you have to drive less time to get here, but your friends are more likely to... To come to a service that's five minutes from the house as opposed to 15 or 20 minutes from the house uh, from their house Be- and I know for a fact that it's that far because there's a Starbucks in Franklin and I've timed it from the church to Starbucks it's a solid 15 minutes and so listen you might make the drive you might love this church so much that you're willing to make the drive but but your friends are not going to it and we, we've always said we want to reach your friends who've written off God as boring judgmental and irrelevant so that's why we're gonna plant a church uh, um, another side in Franklin and we're going to start with a we're going to start with a temporary site if Lord willing it looks like this is going to be an option for us in the Franklin middle school which used to be the Franklin high school we have a picture for you right here if you weren't here last week this is, a, this is a picture of their auditorium, there's Steve, he's kind of casting some vision for, for me, and this is the first time I saw it, this is last week, there's 760 seats in the Franklin Middle School, okay, so we're going to be able to get in there for a very, very cheap price on a weekly basis and do a soft launch or a temporary launch inside the high school or the middle school, sorry, until our temporary site is, uh, is finished, and so we've been looking at pieces of property and to talk about that in just in, in a few moments, so that's very, excited. anybody excited about that? That's very exciting. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. Why would we do any of that? Why would we even do all that? Like, according to statistics, we already have one of the largest churches, or we're in the top churches in America in terms of like size. Like, we're, why would we try to expand our influence? Why would we try to reach more people? Why not just chill out? Would you like to chill out? <laughs> just sit down. And you're like, oh, look, we got two campuses. Like Easter, we almost had 7,000 people here. Well, why would we try to push forward? Like, what's that all about? Why, why would we try to reach into, you know, potentially Africa? We're talking right now, we're in Cartagena, Colombia, and Nicaragua. We're actually talking about branching out into Africa now because there's, there's amazing opportunities out there. Why not just chill out? Why not just hang around? Why not just settle in? We could do services here for, for a really long time, and it'd be awesome. Don't you agree? But here we are talking about pushing forward and the third site and another country and more, doing more and giving more and helping more. What's that all about? Here, let me give you the answer real quick. We, or God, has given us a mission, and that's why. God has given us, the church, individual Christ followers, as we're going to see in a moment, a mission. We are on a mission. The last one of the, Some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went back to heaven after he died and rose again was the Great Commission. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came into his disciples and he said, listen guys, I have been given all, all authority in heaven and earth. Like I'm in charge. I'm the top dog. Okay. I run the whole show. Therefore, since I'm in charge, watch this. Go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups over the whole globe. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's more than just water baptism. Yes, it involves water baptism, but it is the immersion into life with the Trinity. It is immersion into life with God. It is immersion into the kingdom of God. Baptism, to dunk, to to immerse into the life of something, right? Right? And then he says this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. See, Jesus had a way. He had truth. He brought with him commandments, a new way to live. I want you to teach these new disciples to obey these teachings. And watch this. Guys, I'm going to be with you until the very end of the age. Did you know Did you know that Jesus is with us right now? Not because I'm special or because you're special, it's just a promise he gave. As you try to fulfill this mission I've given you, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be assisting you. I'm going to be helping you. I'm going to be opening hearts. I'm going to be providing resources. I'm going to open up opportunities for land. I'm going to do these things. Why? Because I'm with you. This is my mission. I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to help you. And that's where I get my courage. My courage is not because I'm a good communicator or I'm a good leader or all that stuff. No, 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 no. This is a Jesus thing. This is a Jesus mission. He told us what to do. And he, he, here's his message. Ready? Go out and make more followers. Go out and make more disciples. He not only taught this, but he lived it out. One day when he was going through Jericho, and he was kind of getting famous before the crucifixion, and everybody wanted to be around him and see him, and he was doing all kinds of crazy miracles and stuff, and so one day he's walking through Jericho, and there's this little guy named Zacchaeus who wanted to get a, a, a glimpse of Jesus, like he was some type of celebrity. He had heard that Jesus would do crazy stuff, and so Zacchaeus is there, and he couldn't see because he was short. If you went to Sunday school, you remember the little the little song. I won't sing it for you, but but little Zacchaeus, he couldn't see, so he climbed up in a tree, and as Jesus is walking through Jericho. Jesus looks up in the tree and he sees little Zacchaeus, one of the chief tax collectors. He's a thief. He's rich. He's been gouging people and and putting money in his pocket and paying. I mean, he's just been doing terrible things. And Jesus turns and he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I am going to be a guest at your house tonight. So Zacchaeus comes down. He's so excited. Jesus and him, they, they start going off. And, of course, Jesus' critics who see this all happening, they're like, there he goes again. Hanging out with sinners, what's he doing? A rabbi shouldn't do that, doesn't he understand? Holy people don't mix with unholy people, right? There's his critics, verse 7 says that. But then something incredible happens in Zacchaeus's house. He puts his faith in Christ and he does a 180. And then Jesus makes this awesome statement that could be the mission statement for our entire church and everything we do. Watch this, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is what Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek, and to say it with me, and to save the lost. What was he doing that day walking through Jericho? He was seeking and he was saving the lost. Not in some general vague sense of with the, for all humanity. Yes, that's true. But individual people like Zacchaeus. Come down out of that tree. You and I, we're going to have supper. You are going to find everything you've been looking for in money. You're gonna find it in me, and he was saved. I want you to inter- I want to introduce you to a modern day Zacchaeus because it happens by the hundreds around here. I wish we could tell every story. We can't. There's so many people getting saved. It's, it's unbelievable. I just want you to hear one modern day today story of a Zacchaeus. Her name is Samantha. She was invited by a guy named Stephen that I led to Jesus Christ in 1990. No, eight or. 2000 I can't remember on the steps of our church out front when I was the youth pastor I led Stephen to Christ all these years later He starts dating this girl named Samantha and he invites her to church And I want you to hear how her story goes check this out
1: Hi everyone my name is Samantha plant So my life before Christ was full of anxiety fear jealousy sadness um, anger Um, I grew up in a home full of domestic abuse with a father that chose drugs and alcohol before us children. We didn't really go to church as a family, so I didn't really grow up to know Christ. I kind of just went through life thinking that if I was a good person who didn't do any harm to others or who even helped others, that maybe I could earn my way into heaven. Um, I didn't really feel like I needed God to be that good person. Um, And so I went through life just striving to be as best as I could be, hoping that that would be enough to get me into heaven. One weekend, Stephen Barnett, my boyfriend, uh, invited me to come to church with him. And at that point in our relationship, we had been together for four and a half years. And prior to that weekend, never once even mentioned God's name. So when he invited me to come to church with him, I was a little thrown off and caught off guard. And so I denied his invitation and let him go by himself. Um, The following day was the start of my journey through the IU Physician Assistant Master's program and it was during this first week we were introduced to a lady who walked us through a meditation segment and there was one um, comment that she made to us that I'll never forget she told us uh, that you will all one day be medical professionals who will help others attain a healthy lifestyle and it's important not to forget that health includes body mind and spirit and it was at that time it spoke with me because I had realized that just that previous weekend I turned down an invitation to do just that, nourish my spirit. Um, so I was invited, luckily, the next week. Once again, Stephen reached out and invited me, um, asked me to at least give it a shot, and I said, why not? So I did, uh, came and haven't looked back. Uh, after a few weeks of attending Emmanuel, um, Danny led everyone in the prayer as he does each week and the tug on my heart from God and the presence of God was undeniable. Um, he led me through the prayer and I, I spoke every word of it and um, was just overwhelmed by God's love and acceptance. And it was the first time that I truly felt accepted by God and loved by God. And it was just so overwhelming. I was the entire time. I was too nervous to go grab a one-year Bible at that time and we were walking out to my car and he was like, are you okay? You seem to be walking kind of slow. Is everything all right? And he turned to me at that time and said, you said that prayer, didn't you? And I agreed and I said, yeah I did. And he goes, oh my gosh, let's go back inside. Let's get you a Bible. So it was, I was really glad that he was there with me and um, encouraged me to go back inside and fight the crowd and get up there and get a Bible. And Uh, It's been incredible. The past two years have just been um, more than I could ask for. This church is truly amazing. I really resonate with music. I don't know about a lot of people, but um, our worship time in the morning really resonates with me and just helps me grow. Um, Definitely Danny's action steps really help me apply what we learn through the weekend and allow it, allow me to apply that to my daily life throughout the week. And that's really been helpful for me. After about six months, um, it seemed as though life was kind of turning against me. Uh, My faith was kind of put to the test. And from December of 2013 until May of 2014, I lost four family members and five friends just taking a new perspective and um, learning I guess from my past and just kind of learning from Jen as well the fact that you know pulling ourselves towards God even though we may not have the answers for some of the things that occur to us in this life um, not everything is for us to know we just have to trust in God and know that God is looking out for us and that he's carrying us through um, some of the lowest valleys that we might experience. Well through the past year just the sense of peace and joy that I was able to experience, even through um, everything that seemed to be going wrong, he was still able to pull me and hold me together. Um, was I, Something about that just really resonated with me and um, just showed me that you know God's real, he's there, and he is able to provide that comfort that you might need in um, some of your weakest times. Since accepting Christ into my life, I've experienced his love, grace, and mercy on a daily basis. God's presence in my life has allowed me to feel more joy than I've ever experienced before.
0: So why would we do what we do? Why would we try to push forward and, and, and reach more people for Christ? It's because we want to reach more Samantha's. See, here's the truth. You have Samanthas in your life, don't you? Maybe it's a Jody or a Jill or, I don't know, a Kimberly or somebody. Maybe it's a John or a Jim or Richard or somebody. You have people in your life that, that are going through this life without God. And then there's this church that's on a mission and there's this individual person, you, who's on a mission and you make that invitation. And maybe they reject it once or maybe they reject it 25 times. But then they finally come. And God opens their heart. And it's happened time and time again. We're a church on mission. What does a church on mission look like? Well, it's called a missional church. I'll give you a definition. A missional church defines and organizes itself around the idea that it is God's agent in the world to perform his will. We just believe that. We don't get it perfectly, as I mentioned earlier, but we just believe that we are a church on mission. We are a missional church. We just don't have services because it's the weekend. Oh, my gosh, if it ever gets to that point, I'm out of here. Like, I'm going to quit because I can't do that. That's just boring as all, as all, you know, get up. I mean, I just can't do it. I've got, like, like, God has put a mission in our heart. We're not going to do services because it's the weekend. We're going to do services because you have friends and family members and co-workers who if they they were to die today without Christ, they'd spend eternity apart from him. You see, we're on a mission. You know, Paul is our example here. You say, is there somebody other than Jesus we can look to? Yeah, it's the Apostle Paul. He was just fanatical about this. One of my favorite passages I came across as a young Christian was Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul was knocked off his horse. He was told directly by Jesus what to do. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty cool, don't you think? Wouldn't that be awesome if Jesus just came into your bedroom and just told you exactly what to do? That's kind of what happened with Paul, right? And so Paul had this mission with with his life. Listen to what he said in Acts chapter 20. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it. Watch this. For finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Like he got an assignment, a a specific assignment from Jesus Christ. Watch this. What is it? The work of telling others about the good news, about the wonderful grace of God. He was on mission. He was planting churches with his life. Everywhere he went, he was talking to people who didn't know God. They would get saved. He would do it in the streets. He would do it inside the temple. He was a man on a mission. And some of you are hearing that and you're going, good for Paul. That's awesome. But it ain't for me. I'm just a math teacher. <laughs> I'm just a... CPA, I just almost a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. I'm not Paul. Come on. You, you expect me to live like that? Like, my, my life is worth nothing to me unless I, you know, preach the good news? Like, come on. Is that really for me? Is that really for you? Isn't that, well, it, no, Danny, that's for you. See, you're the paid pastor. You're, you're full-time. You're a full-time Christian. You're a professional Christian. That's what you are. You do, you live like Paul. Like, I'll just kind of get on with my life and raise my kids and try to save for retirement and then move to Florida when I get older and collect seashells. You know, like, let me do my thing and then you do your thing, right? Come on. Come on. That's not, that was, that was, that's not the message. Listen to what Paul said about you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's talking to the Corinthians. These are not paid staff members. These are not professional Christians. These are just people that have put their faith in Christ. Watch what he says. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God's representatives. God is making his appeal through who? Us. And then he says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. See what he says? Four times. He says, listen, this is a we thing. This is an us thing. This isn't the paid staff. This isn't the pastor. This is all of us. If you are a Christ follower, you are, your message is this to people who don't know Christ. Come back to God. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, come back to God. Go ahead. You can do it. Let's have some fun. This is your message. You've got to get used to saying this. So I'm going to help you. Look at the person next to you and say, come back to God. See, See, some of you need a little bit more practice. This is your message. If you're a Christ follower, you're pleading with people. Some of you are sitting there like this. <laughs> really? Really? Like this, this, is your, this is your, you're to live this, and when, they, when it's the right time, you're to speak it. Listen, come back to God. God. God is begging you through my body, through my voice, through my life, be reconciled to him. Come back to him. Charles Spurgeon, who was known as the Prince of Preachers, listen to what he said. He he was kind of, he got mean sometimes when he was preaching. Listen to what he said. Every Christian is either a missionary or is an imposter. Like if you, he's basically taking it to the next level. Like if you're not willing to say, hey, my message is come back to God. Like be reckoned, like if you're not willing to be a missionary, you're a fake. Whoa. Now. Some of you want me to go there. But I'm, I'm not that mean. <laughs> I'm gonna assume you didn't know, okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that that this is this new job description of ambassador of Jesus is something you just now found out about, okay? But now you know. Like you are supposed to be on mission. With your whole life, and your message is very simple. Will you come back to God? See, Jesus has made a way. He's broken down every wall. He's broken down every barrier. You just come to him in faith, and you can be reconciled to Him. Like, that is your life message. You see that? This week, this week, <laughs> the, my, my friend texted me. He said, man, I got a, I got a buddy who, who's, who's uh, of a different religion. And, and, and I've been building this relationship with him, and he wants to meet at Starbucks, and he's going to bring his holy book. And I thought it would be good if we bring our holy book and we talk. You know, and, I, you know, and I'm getting this stuff, and I'm like, are, are you kidding? I'm starting to get, you know, happy inside, you know. I'm starting to get jittery. I'm like, of course, you know, what time? And let's set it up. So 2 o'clock we met this last week, and, and we're just there at Starbucks. And, of course, we're at Starbucks. I mean, come on. And we just start to break out. You know, both holy books and compare and contrast, and why do, you, why, what's, why do you need Christ and this and that. I was able to explain with my friend, with this other dude who, whose Christ is pursuing. He's on a relentless pursuit for this guy. Uh, we were able to talk about the differences between religions and talk about why Christianity makes sense, and it was glorious. This dude, my friend, he's, he's in construction. He didn't have time to do this stuff. He runs a company. See? But, but, but see, his message, his life message is, will you come back to God? Will you, will you put your faith in Christ? And that's what every single one of us are to be doing with our lives. And, and, what, and so what does it actually look like? Like What is, it a, disi- what is a disciple? Because that's what we're trying to make, right? And that's the question. What is a disciple? And if we don't know the target, how can we make one, right? So we've got to know what we're up against. Like, so a disciple, in, in your notes there, is somebody who is becoming like Christ. He's just he's a a person that is from the inside out, you know, looking, acting more like Jesus as the days and weeks and the months go by. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Jesus said it this way. Students are not above their master or they're not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like his teacher. What is Jesus saying? You guys are my students. And as you enter into full training, as you would into a marathon or some type of competition, as you you fully train yourself, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become just like me. That is the goal. Jesus wants you to become just like him from the inside out where your natural behavior and your natural responses are Christ-like instead of fleshly or sinful. And so what it looks like is as you follow Christ and you train and you enter into things like fasting and solitude and, and, and scripture memorization and confession of sin and you do these types of things, the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop inside of you, the very character of Christ, which looks like this. This is what Paul wrote in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit or the, pro- the product or, or the results of living by the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Listen, as long as I'm your pastor, I am going to talk about this list of attributes because this is the character of Christ. This is what ought to be, to be developed inside of you. This is the character of Jesus. And that's what a disciple looks like. Where their natural responses and behaviors are Christ-like that awesome now does if you had natural responses and behaviors that kind of look like this wouldn't that be a a life that's attractive to you look look, here's me sign me up because sometimes I have absolutely zero self-control and it causes me some pain anybody else (laughs) anybody else right because I have no self-control. I want a life where, where the Spirit is infusing me and filling me with self-control, the power to say no to temptation, right? If I just had that one, I'd be happy. <laughs> the patience one, oh my gosh, can you imagine how that would impact raising your kids? Whoa, it's like talking about like some supernatural stuff here. This is, this is the life you want. But see, it goes beyond this. A disciple, being a disciple goes beyond becoming like Christ. It goes into the second phase, the more mature phase, which basically looks like this. A disciple is someone who's also helping others become like Jesus. Like, it, it's not about you only. It's about you walking this Christ-like life and, and be filled, being filled with joy and peace and patience and kindness and all this wonderful stuff and being able to live above sin and live have a positive attitude even when everything's hitting the fan and all that stuff is great. But then you're eyes get turned to other people it's not just about you it's about all these other people in your life the samanthas the Gregs, the bills the whoever's that don't know jesus so all of a sudden you start to get a, a heart for them and you start to invite them in on the journey you start trying to grab them come 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 Because you love them and you want them to have this life. Listen to what Jesus said right before he went back up to heaven in John chapter 20, verse 21. He said to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. I'm not sending you out to deliver mail. I'm not sending you out to create a new political system and to get Christian leaders elected so we can have a nice, godly nation. I'm not sending you out to do that. I'm sending you out to make disciples. People who are like me, and then who can take other people and make them like me. That's the mission. I love the way Paul said it to Timothy, his protege. He said this in Second Timothy chapter 2. Whatever you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men and women, of course, who will be able to teach others also. Don't you love it? Paul tells Timothy, look, I've been with you a while now. I've been developing you and mentoring you. Timothy takes that information. Timothy, I want you to entrust that information in this lifestyle that you've seen me live and you've watched in the presence of many witnesses. I want you to entrust it to other people who will be able to teach and mentor others. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement starts. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a movement It is not supposed to be an institution with buildings and mortar. It is supposed to be a movement. But it's not a movement because we think that it's the paid staff member's job to make disciples. It's not. It's your job. You are the one who's supposed to go out and reach your friends and influence them and help them become Christ's followers. See, if we just rely on the paid staff and the senior pastors or whoever to do it, we're going to do this thing called addition. We're going to add people to our church. And the church will grow and will add some folks. But it will not multiply. And there is a huge difference between addition and multiplication, ladies and gentlemen. Do you agree with this? <laughs> the only way the church multiplies is when you decide to relentlessly pursue your friends and invest in them. And not say, not rely on the pastor to do it, but you begin doing it. Now, I know when I start saying that, people sit down and they go, yeah, but I can't do that. I don't know the Bible like you do. I've, I'm not trained like you are. I, what if they ask a question? I don't know the answer. What if, what if, what if, what if? I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like my middle son the other day. Uh, they, they, he plays basketball with my oldest son, who's two years older than them, and they go head to head in the backyard, and I love it, I love it. In fact, the best investment I ever made in our house was the, was the basketball court in the backyard. If you don't have one and you got kids, man, put one in. Wow, it's awesome. So we're sitting there at the table, and, and, the, and I can see out in the backyard, and, 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 and my middle son comes in, he's all discouraged, he's like, oh. I can't score, he's just too big, he's too strong, he's talking about my oldest son, and I said to him, I said, here's what you got to do, you got to listen to me, ready, first thing is you got to listen to me, because I know this stuff, you got to go left, like he knows you're going right every time, so he just he, just, uh, he just stuffs you, you know, so go left, and I've been working on him with his left hand, and I said, just go left, and when you go left, when you get to the point where you're about to score a layup, take, take your right shoulder and kinda, and kind of push it into his chest. Now don't foul him, but just kind of get, get him over here, get him in his chest, and then take your left hand and get it out wide like this and kind of scoop it up off high off the glass. Oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I can't. My left hand's too weak. Andrew's too big. You can. Just listen to me. Go out there. Go out there. You put it right in him. You do the thing. You can do it. I mean, you've got to do this with your kids, right? Because all they're going to keep saying to you is, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, so he goes, all right, all right, I'll try it. So he goes back out. I told him, I said, you're gonna miss the first 10, don't worry about it. You're gonna hit the 11th one. So, so, so he goes back out there. I kid you not, Andrew heard none of this, right? So he goes back, he fakes left, goes this, go, goes, fakes right, goes left. He does the thing, he puts the thing, and he goes in. I'm not kidding. Jackie and I were just sitting at the table. I was sitting there, I went, holy cow! I jumped up. I opened the door, I ran outside. I picked him up. I was jumping, I was, I was squeezing him. I said, you're the man. It was an awesome moment I will never forget it in all my days of parenting my children is that really parenting though I don't know maybe it's coaching I'm not sure it's definitely parenting come on and and so here's here's what I learned about him and here's what I learned about me years ago the reality is we don't think we can do it we lack confidence I don't know the Bible you could come up with a hundred reasons why you can't make a disciple and that's why you haven't made a disciple in 10 years, some of you, maybe 20. Sure, you attend church on the weekends, but have you made a disciple in your life as a Christ follower? And you say, no, I haven't, because you got a whole list of reasons why. One of them is it's the pastor's job. I blew that out of the water today, didn't I? <laughs> you can't use that one anymore, 2 Corinthians 5.20, come on. You're an ambassador, <laughs> right? So so what what is the what's the hold up? You, you see you got to get over this thing where it's like i can't do that i don't know i remember when i was a, uh, early on in my walk i know i'm going over time please forgive me but i uh, here's the deal i was early on in my walk and i had a guy at liberty university look at me in the face and said you can do this and I was like, man, you don't understand. I'm, I, I can't even quote John 3.16 to you. Like, I can't do this. And he just looked at me and said, no, you can You've got six guys. You're going to be a hall leader. You spend time in prayer. You look at a Bible verse. You help them out. You hear their. You pray with them. And I was just like, okay, so you're lost, dude, because I'm not going to lead these guys astray. Like, I'm, I don't know the Bible, right? But I started anyway. I started anyway. I jumped in. It made me read. It, I had to start studying. I had to start learning. I had, they had questions. I didn't have any. And I just hung in there and hung in there and hung in there. I started learning and growing and learning and growing. And then it led to another thing and another thing and another thing. And now I'm, a, now I'm a pastor. Listen, I'm not saying everybody needs to be a pastor. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that you need to start. Even though you got all kinds of sin in your life, even though you got all kinds of reasons not to start, you need to, you need to understand that God has called you to make disciples and if he's called you to do it he's going to empower you to do it he's going to train you to do it and i will help you on this journey isn't that awesome that is what we are called to do it is about multiplication not addition you with me so how do you get involved in all this well there's five quick ways i've mentioned them last week number one pray pray your guts out number two you you start to serve grab a towel somewhere jump in number three get in a group or start to lead a group and that's the area where we just spoke about how do you make disciples here at this church well you would step into a group leadership position where you can invest directly into people's lives and help them to become like christ number four relentlessly pursue your friends man that you've gotta and continue to love on them and, and step into opportunities to share with them uh, who Jesus is, or, or even just to invite them to, your, to the appropriate environment. And then number five, invest or participate financially. This is probably the one over the next two years that's going to make or break us right here. See, what we need each week is about $91,000 a week. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that one bit, because I believe in you guys. I believe you're going to participate. Those of you who don't participate financially, I believe you're going to. $91,000 is right within our reach. You want to know how I know, I know that for a fact? Because for the last eight weeks, we've averaged $89,000 a week. So $2,000 more a week is almost nothing for a church our size. So I'm not worried about that. Here's, here's the chunk I got sh- to share with you that I didn't share last week. In order for us to launch this third campus in Franklin, we're going, it, we can do it within the budget of, of $91,000 a week. I'm not worried about that. What I'm concerned about is getting the piece of property to start if God should lead us to a piece of property. Other the, uh, uh, the other option is to, to an abandoned building of some sort that's empty that we can renovate. And we're open to that. But if it's a piece of property, we don't have the money for the piece of property right now. We have the money to get all the AVL equipment, which is awesome because we paid off our debt. We've been saving our money. We could get the, the projector, the screens, the audio visual, the sound system, all that stuff. It's, it's very expensive, but we have that money. We don't have the money. For the land and so we need to have that as quickly as possible. So if a piece of land props up we can grab it So I've been talking to some donors behind the scenes just a few so far. We have hundred and twenty thousand dollars Committed to that piece of property. It's gonna be about four hundred thousand So I'm gonna continue to talk to people who have the means to help out that way But in the meantime what I'm gonna challenge you to do if you want to participate financially no pressure here This is your opportunity if you want to step in through the month of May, what we figured out is that if 1,400 families gave $200 each during the month of May, above, above and beyond your normal giving, $200 each family, 1,400 families, we would raise $280,000 in the month of May. And that would give us the complete $400,000 to go ahead and purchase a piece of property in Franklin and, and keep the ball rolling. So that's what's on the table right now. That's the opportunity. I'm, I'm excited to do that. I hope you're excited to do that. I think it's totally within our reach to do that. Now, I'm not going to put pressure on you to do that because that's not what this is about. This is an opportunity that God has laid before us. If you should choose to jump in, you are going to be able to say, I had a part in that. I helped get that piece of property. I helped, I helped to, to build that second or that third campus. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be involved. Why? Why? Because, because we are a church on a mission. Very clearly given to us by Jesus Christ. And so I want, the way I want to wrap this up right now is by inviting those of you who are here today, you were invited by a friend, you're, you're, you're in this spot that Samantha was in. That she didn't know Christ. And, and Stephen Barnett invited her and she heard the gospel. And this is what I want you to hear today as we close out. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I'll go back to it. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Like Jesus is pursuing you. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. And He would say to you today, if you don't have faith in me, put your faith in me. And what I'll do is I'll wash you, I'll clean you, I'll wash your sins away, and I will make you a new man and a new woman. I will give you eternal life. And so if you would like to receive eternal life today and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to say the same prayer that Samantha prayed and many, many other people have prayed. And you will receive eternal life today by putting your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. If, this, if that's you right now, and you know who you are because you feel led to it. Just say these words to Christ. He's listening. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I've broken your laws, but I also have heard and now know that you died in my place. You paid the penalty for my sin. You've been seeking me. You've been searching for me. And today I put my faith in you for the forgiveness of my sins. I trust you. Help me from this day forward to live for you, to honor you, to obey you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, what our church would like to do is put a one-year New Testament in your hands. And the reason we want to do that as a gift from us to you is because we believe with all of our heart and we know with all of our heart that as you read this Bible, as you read the New Testament and the Old Testament, what God begins to do is guide you and direct you and instruct you and teach you and show you his will for your life. What's right, what's not right, how to get right and how to stay right. Sometimes I say it that way. And so if you prayed to receive Christ today, we have tables in the back to my right and to my left. If you're in the balcony, you can come on down and grab one. Just tell them you prayed to receive Christ, and they'll put one of these in your hands. Anybody excited about what God is doing in our midst? I hope, I hope, I hope that you will see clearly that this is a movement. This isn't about a pastor. This isn't about a church. This is about what God is doing in the world today. If you ever ask yourself the question, why doesn't God just come back and just stop all the craziness, stop all the madness? We've got countries trying to get nuclear bombs. We've got people chopping people's heads off. We've got awful things happening in the world. You ever think about that? Like why doesn't God just come and stop it all? Here's why. Here's why. Ready? One reason. Because there's still people he's seeking after and saving and starting a relationship with the earth. And when all of that is said and done, he will come back and he will end it all. Does that make sense? We're on a mission to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we open your word, we find clarity. We find insight for what we are to be doing with our lives today. We are your ambassadors. As though you were literally pleading with people through us, come back to God. Help us to embrace that. Help us to live that, to make disciples of all nations with the time and the resources and the talents that you've given us. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I love you, I love you, I love you. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.